Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. If you travel out of Edinburgh on the road towards Berwick upon Tweed, look to your left across the sea, you'll see the bleak conical shape of a rock rising from the tide about a mile from the shore. That's the Bass Rock sometimes known as the Ilsa Craig of the East. During the 17th century, it was being used to house prisoners, many of whom were Covenanters, and who had been convicted of crimes like going to an open-air meeting preaching without the government's permission, taking part in resistance against the king's decrees. Sandy Peden had at one time been among their number. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata podcast. In 1663, Peden had been ejected from his church by government order, and he was living in the hills and glens around Ayrshire, holding open-air meetings, preaching and administering the sacraments to the dissenters, those Presbyterians who refused to attend worship in churches where the government had installed a compromised minister or an Anglican curate who would read the service from the prayer book and who would obey the orders of the bishops and archbishops, all of whom were carrying out the instructions of the king, King Charles II. Sandy Peden had travelled extensively between Scotland and Ulster until 1673, when he was captured at the house of Hugh Fraser of Knockdow and Carrick. Taken to the prison at Ayr, he was then escorted to the tollbooth at Edinburgh, where he was eventually imprisoned on the Bass Rock. His fellow prisoners there included Robert Gillespie, the preacher, James Mitchell, the would-be murderer of Archbishop Sharp, Thomas Ross of Kincardenshire, imprisoned for holding a conventicle in Moray, and Fraser of Bray, among others. Conditions on the rock are recorded in a letter which Peyton wrote to the Reverend Patrick Simpson of Kilmacombe. Peyton wrote, we are close shut up in our chambers, not permitted to converse, diet, or worship together, but conducted out by two at once in the day, to breathe in the open air, envying the birds their freedom, provoking and calling on us to bless him for the most common mercies. And again, close shut up day and night, to hear only the sighs and groans of our fellow prisoners. During his four and a half years imprisonment on the rock, a number of incidents are recorded which again illustrate Peyton's strange ability to declare the will of God in his contemporary circumstances. A young woman who mocked the covenanters at worship was warned by Peyton that she would regret her importunity, for God will not suffer his true people to be so mocked. Peyton's prediction came to pass a short time later 
when a wind blew her off the rock and into the sea where she died. A jailer at the rock, one of a platoon of soldiers stationed there, shouted at Peden, The devil take thee! Peden replied, Poor man, thou knowest not what thou sayest, but thou will repent that. The man immediately was greatly distressed, fearing that the devil would indeed take him, and called for Mr. Peden to be sent to him and to help him. Peden prayed for the man. The next day Peden visited the man again and found him sorely troubled and under deep conviction. The guard was due to change, and the soldier was ordered to take his arms and go to his station. But he refused, saying that he had caused Christ's own people to suffer for too long, and would never again lift arms against Christ or his persecuted people. The governor threatened the soldier with death if he did not return to his duty by ten o'clock the next day. The man refused this order, braving the wrath of his commander for three days in a row, and after these three days the exasperated governor dismissed him from the garrison and sent him ashore, where he went to live in East Lothian with his wife. He became a faithful Christian and remained so from that day on. In 1677, some of Peden's companions were released from the rock, on the condition that they would cause no further trouble for the government, and that they would present themselves to the authorities when required to do so. Peden seems to have applied for a similar release, for there is a record of a decision made by the council agreeing to the release of Peden, on the condition that he would emigrate to a country outside the British Isles, and further, that he would confess to having fought at the Battle of Rullion Green. Peden, of course, had not fought at that battle, but the authorities wanted a confession, so that later, if Peden reappeared, he could be legitimately executed upon his own confession of complicity in the battle. Despite the fact that this would have secured his release, he could have lived abroad, perhaps in Holland. Peden must have refused to accept this offer, most likely on the basis that he would never agree to confess to a falsehood. We know from Peden's sermons, many of which are still available to read, that it would never have been part of his nature to agree to be silenced in Scotland or to abandon his country to the tyrannous rule of the king. So having no release, Peden was transferred back to Edinburgh Tolbooth Prison in 1677. And a year later, in November 1678, he applied for permission to live in exile in Ireland. That was refused, and instead the council decreed that Peden and 66 other prisoners should be transported to the West Indies, where they would be employed working as slaves on a plantation. They were embarked on a ship, the St. Michael, bound for London. His fellow prisoners were amazed at Peden's attitude to this voyage, for he remained calm, knowing that his future was in the hands of God, and declaring that the ship was not yet built that would carry him to America. There even was opportunity to mutiny throughout the voyage, but Peden simply refused to support such a course, and persuaded the others to remain passive and firm in their faith in God's deliverance.
At this point, historians differ. Although their differences have very little relevance to the eventual outcome, some historians argue that the St. Michael was five days late arriving at London, and thus missed the connection which would have taken the men onwards to America. Whereupon Peden, announcing that he was a minister, and that the prisoners were all good sound Presbyterians, persuaded the captain to release them. Other historians disagree, arguing that the captain of the original vessel was to carry the prisoners no further than London, and that on his arrival there placed them in the custody of another mariner. It was then this man who, having learned that the prisoners were all Presbyterians, imprisoned for their beliefs, and not thieves, as he had been led to believe, refused to carry such men aboard his ship. The first captain refused to keep the prisoners any longer, for having delivered them to London, he had fulfilled his contract, and he would receive no further payment for their food. In this confusion, the men were released. Well, whatever happened, Peden's confident trust in God was well rewarded. He remained in England until June 1679, when he travelled back to his native Scotland. But what would await him there? We'll look at more of Peden's life and history in our next episode.